for those people that are coming in and looking to just get uh, completely into a, a heavy breathing heap of sweat and all they want to do afterwards is go and crash on a couch and they view getting their butts kicked and and throwing up in the bushes as some kind of badge of honor and that's what the body really needs there's plenty of other places we can refer to if that's really you know if that's really what you're looking for however if you want to improve your performance if you want to extend your longevity if you want to feel like when you're done here you want to go out and go hiking or go cycling or take up running again or look into those things that you've always wanted to do but for whatever reason you you haven't that is the outcome of our training programs i don't want clients for years and years and years but sometime all birds must leave the nest and i yeah. don't see i don't want people living to work out i want them working out to go and live you're listening to the addicted to fitness podcast brought to you by elemental training tampa now here's your hosts nick and shannon birch Thanks for stopping by and checking out another edition of the Addicted to Fitness podcast. We have a interview episode for you this week, and we're super excited about this one. Uh, we are actually uh, kind of doing a, I guess they call them like a, a guest and guest, guest on guest kind of guest episode. On guest on guest. We were actually a guest on this individual's podcast uh, way back in the beginning part of last year. We actually replayed it on the ATF earlier this month in February. Um, we're talking about the Rock Fit Files uh, and Rocky Snyder. Um, so we were on his podcast last year in 2022, and now he um, is able, we were able to return the favor. It's like and, a podcast swap. Exactly, and have him uh, um, uh, come on our, 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 on the ATF podcast. So um, we're excited to share that with you. But before we do that, we want to thank you guys for tuning in this week and every week. Um, like I said, these interview episodes are something we do every so often. If you want to see or listen to more of our interviews with health or experts in the field of health and wellness, go back and check our archives, guys. We've got over 350 episodes Many of those are interviews, I should say, not all, but many. And uh, so you guys can you. find that uh, not only in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, your preferred podcast app, but if you want all the episodes, go to addictedtofitness.lipson.com. That's where they all are. You can just put the search word or keyword interview in the, the search bar and find all of our interview episodes. Really cool um, to see all the ones we did way back since the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see how our uh, interview skills have, uh, I guess, matured Evolved. over yeah. the years. Evolved. Mm -hmm. yes. um, please, guys, not only check that out, uh, give us a follow on Instagram, the ATF Podcast, and visit our sponsors, the Amino Co. And you guys can go to aminoco.com slash ATF to learn about the products, why we love them, and you can use the code ATF at checkout if you want to get 30% off their products. So um, we had a great interview with Rocky. We already had kind of a, uh, a relationship established with him, so it was kind of really cool to actually hear his background. You know, he got to, he interviewed us about getting our backgrounds, and now we kind yep. of hear more about his background. It was super interesting. I really enjoyed talking to him, and we actually had some 
between the two of us, we have some uh, similarities uh, with both of us and Rocky. So I thought that was pretty cool about how we, uh, um, you seem to find that we seem to find that when we interview people that, you know, it's a, they're, uh, we're not so different after all. <laughs> We're all similar one way or another. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's, without further ado, please enjoy this interview with Rocky Snyder. My guest today is a human movement specialist, strength and conditioning coach, author, and podcaster. I'm very excited to welcome Rocky Snyder to the Ticket to the Fitness podcast. How are you doing, Rocky? Uh, Nick, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward Mm -hmm. to our conversation. Me too. And you're actually, this is uh, technically your tech, your second appearance on the addicted to fitness. Cause we replayed your, our appearance on your podcast on our podcast recently. So it's like your second appearance now. So luckily, hopefully our regular listeners are uh, introduced to you, but now they get to know more about you, which is why uh, really something I'm excited to share with them. So uh, before we jump into kind of more background about yourself, we always do a training recap on every episode of our podcast. So I'd like to ask you what you did for your training today or recently. I, I, well, I live on the central coast of California, as if, if you don't have this in video on my backdrop here in my little, my little broom closet, I've got a surfboard on the wall. So that is my preferred means of, of movement and exercise. And so yesterday, yeah, I went out and surfed. And this afternoon, once my son gets out of school, he's a sophomore in high school and on the surf team, because that's what we have in terms of sports here in Santa Cruz. Uh, we've got to go practice. So we're going to head out and grab some more waves and do a little paddling, do a little balance training, I guess you'd say, a little upper body endurance and mm-hmm. have a lot of fun. Nice. Like, and one question in regards to obviously surf training, very, very interesting and a part of your kind of your background too, so we can get into it more. Is there a season for surfing or is it like year round essentially? Now, that's really a great question because it really depends upon where you live. For instance, in the Northeast, there's, there are surfers that will surf year-round in the frigid waters off the coast of New England, New York, and the like. But uh, they, they're a hardy crew, and it's a lot smaller numbers than, say, when summertime rolls around. And, of course, people think of surfing, and they think of summer. But fortunately for us, we, we live in a very mild climate here in Santa Cruz, and it is the most fertile surf ground, I think, on the planet. We get wave energy in the summertime from the southern hemisphere when mm-hmm. it's their winter and it generates a lot of storm. And then this time of year in January, February, and so on, we get a lot of the storm activity off the Gulf of Alaska. So that wave energy is directed toward us. So we take in surf, I think about 300 out of 365 days a year. So we don't really have a season. It's just, is there waves? Are there waves today or or are we just going to go for a long distance path? Okay. Wow. That's good. That's a great answer. Um, and uh, I was always wondering that. So I appreciate your, uh, your information. Um, so you kind of mentioned in the beginning of that, that explanation about New England. I think that's where you kind of were. Did you grow up in New England or is that where you were kind of originally from? Yeah, actually, yeah. Several generations of my family were raised in Middlesex County, Massachusetts, which, which is just north of Boston. And I uh, went to school there. 
uh, actually in the same elementary school as my father and my grandmother and plenty of other relatives. But I, I guess I'm the prodigal son who has yet to return. I went to school at the University of Massachusetts out in Amherst. And then after completing my degree there, I just eventually made my way south. Within a year, I had kind of started gaining roots in, in the Santa Cruz region. And I've been here now for, well, since then, it's been over 30 years. So the better part of my life now has been in California, but my upbringing and my childhood was back in the Northeast. Nice. Yeah. Like I said, we were there recently and I was looking at your Instagram. It looks like you went back somewhat recently, maybe visited some of the Patriots facilities uh, to maybe train with some trainers there or possibly even present. I know that's something you do on a regular basis. Uh, but I wanted to kind of go back to that that beginning stages of your life and maybe even your early education. I mean, is that where the kind of uh, love for fitness or kind of obsession with the exercise physiology kind of started or how did that go? Well, it's kind of interesting, Nick. I'm, I'm kind of glad you asked that because back when I was growing up in grade school and junior high, the the term ADD or ADHD was not known. It was mm -hmm. just that this kid has potential. He's just not tapping into. He seems bored. He's a daydreamer. Those type of things, those, those were kind of things that laid on my shoulders. And those were the the um, kind of things that the teachers would tell my parents. Uh, little did we know that, you know, I, I had a little bit of attention issues and, and I found myself kind of wandering off. But the one thing that I found that kept me focused was movement and mm -hmm. exercise in the, in the framework of, of, of seasonal sports. So in the Northeast, of course, the seasons are always changing every 10 to 12 weeks. So in the summertime, it was hitting the beaches. In the fall, you'd be playing pickup football. In the wintertime, you were doing pond hockey. And of course, the spring, it was either ultimate frisbee lacrosse or baseball or whatever. It just seemed like we're always in. I just vividly remember my dad saying in or out, I can't stand to hear the door keep slamming in the back. So I chose to stay out and, and I've been doing so ever since. And then fortunately, somewhere in high school, uh, I had a friend and we would meet after work. He was in construction and trying to raise money to go to college. And I was paving asphalt driveways doing the same. And we would meet after work and, and we would meet at this little ratty old gym called AJ's in North Reading, Massachusetts. It was like a, a, a reconditioned chicken coop. And there was only one door in and the windows only opened about an inch. All the dumbbells were rusty and there was sweat everywhere. There was no towels. And if you needed water, there was a hose outside the back of the building there. You could just suck on if you really needed to. But we went in with our our white tank tops and blue jeans, all greasy with our workout boots. And he taught me how to do weight training. And, and up until that point, I didn't think much of it. I thought it was boring. Why do you want to go inside when there's plenty of things to do outside? And so that that is pretty much the, the beginning of finding out that movement was key to my existence. It helped center me. And working out in a gym was something that I found I I actually enjoyed. I liked how it was changing my physique and all that. So then I also used it as a form of procrastination. So when it came time to study for exams, you could always find me at the gym instead. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I don't know what it is, but I, I think I do pretty well with exams and, and I was able to complete a degree without much studying. So, uh, but I, I could tell you how much I lifted at that time, I guess. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great, like, it's so funny. And I know I, I'm a, 
tangent king. I always go off on tangents when people say stuff. Uh, but it's like, I feel like, and, I, and I'm sure it's for all kids, but I feel just, you know, my main reference is me growing up as a boy himself. Uh, it's just like, I, I always did better when movement was a big part of my life. Like I said, it's just like, yes, I grew up in the age of video games and stuff like that. Nintendo had just come out when I was really young. So I enjoyed those too. But like I said, every season was a different sport. And then you were always outside. I grew up on a farm. So we were always outside either in the woods or in the field or something like that. So, and that, and that really, I mean, for me, I don't know if it's associated. I know not everybody's the same, but it made learning easier. And I know that's a whole nother topic for an whole nother pride day, but it's like it, when you get all that, whatever it be energy or you get your body is essentially getting its, its uh, kind of uh, uh, education, for lack of better words, when your body is moving, it helps your brain kind of stay a little bit more focused. I know, like you said, you probably weren't able to pay attention as well, but you were still able to somehow retain information and, you know, pass tests and things like that. So it's, it's one of those things that I hear, you know, I hear one of my clients, my junior clients, who's a, just got in high school saying that they, uh, or maybe middle school, that they don't have recess anymore. And it's just like kind of breaks my heart when hearing things like that. And then I know the studies from certain studies saying that it's actually uh, more detrimental not to have recess uh, opposed to like what test scores are saying. So that's a whole nother tangent. Sorry. But uh, I'm interested in knowing how you got to, like you said, getting your degree, getting to California and then getting into basically strength conditioning, coaching and or personal training. Well, it's funny because you would imagine that uh, in my career, I would have a degree in the field of study in which I have this career, but it's not. And in fact, that that lack of focus carried through the university years that I started out as a fine arts major. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll be a a, a teacher and I became in the, I, I entered the education department and it seemed like every semester or so I would just spin a wheel and whatever <laughs> it landed on, that was my major from timber harvesting to uh, a whole bunch of stuff. In fact, the only course I took that related to my field right now was, I think it was called exercise science and human performance. And I did horribly with it. I just, for whatever reason, it just didn't ring true for me. So you would think, well, what the heck is that all about? Well, after I, after I graduated with a degree in English literature, mm. I got a job in Yellowstone National Park for that, that season, the summer of 1990 and into the fall. And I lived in a log cabin right by Old Faithful. I was very much into the outdoors and backcountry hiking and camping and climbing. So I was just in heaven. And I worked in the concession companies there with the restaurants, hotels, and travel and whatnot. And on my weekends, I would just get a permit and go hiking in the backcountry. And this was before the wolves and all that. So it wasn't like there was a lot of threats. And it just so happened I had some friends that were traveling through and they said, hey, we're traveling to California. I'll tell you what, one, you come on out, jump on a bus and, and uh, come come visit us. And And I did. It didn't take long for me to decide this is where I want to be. And within a year, I got a job in a local health club. And it so happened they were looking for exercise instructors. And within a few months, hmm. in the early 1990s, 
personal training was beginning to slowly emerge in the health club setting. And there was a fellow that came up from Southern California into Santa Cruz, and he developed the personal training department in this chain of health clubs. And I became one of their first trainers. And another fellow that I was selected with to become trainers, he had just finished his master's from San Jose State University in, in kinesiology or exercise science. And he said, we have to go and get certified. Regardless of what they're saying, we need to go and get a certified and strength conditioning specialist. So that, that year of 1993, I think it was, we went and took the CSCS exam, which these days is the gold standard for strength coaches and personal trainers alike. And, uh, and, and pretty much the rest is just, I won't say the rest is history, but the mm. rest is this path that I've been following ever since. So this year marks 30 years that I've been a certified strength conditioning specialist. Wow. And that, and that's so interesting because, like I said, my my majority of my educational background, my undergrad and graduate degree, are both in uh, environmental sciences. So it's not in exercise science. So it's very similar paths. So uh, I do appreciate hearing that. Um, so now some of the things, and I can we kind of hit on some things already, but it, you know your list of kind of clientele that you train really runs from you know general population all the way up to pro athletes. Um, how has your approach or does your approach change when working with uh, your different demographics? Well, in regards to I, I have a lot of people that seek out my services uh, that are dealing with chronic pain and maybe they've tried other modalities and they've gotten some relief, but really haven't tapped into the root cause. And that's a little bit of, of my approach. So a large population of my clientele can be in, in that category. And like you say, everybody through general population up to professional athletes. And I guess, Nick, really the bottom line of what I try to find is what is missing and in and, and everyone that walks through the door. And what I mean by that is there's certain ways in which the human frame has meant to move. There's certain ways that joints have these relationships with one another that when, say, your foot strikes the ground, the ankle should do something, the knee should, the hip, the spine, all the way through. It's a full body event. And over time, these patterns begin to emerge. And there is one particular pattern that is the most efficient means of moving. But it doesn't mean that everybody does that because, well, there's injuries and surgeries and accidents and, and different episodic events in people's lives that take them away and from that efficient means of moving and create these subtle or not so subtle compensations which can lead to wear and tear or reduced performance, pain, um, or a whole bunch of other outcomes. So whether it's the top athlete or the person that is in very deep chronic pain, I really just look to see what is missing. Can we re-experience or can we remind or re-educate the nervous system as well as the, the, the whole body itself? into those movements and, and then see what happens after that. So for instance, if it's an athlete coming to train with me, they may have had a history of a recurring problem with their hamstring and they have gone through a, 
a bevy of different approaches. And we find out that somewhere in their history, they had actually sprained their opposite ankle. Mm -hmm. And since then, they have learned to avoid putting as much weight on that ankle, even though years and years have passed. And what that has done is put more strain on that hamstring. And most people will focus on the hamstring and look to see how it's behaving and what it's doing and so on without taking into any regard what the other areas of the body have gone through or trying to accomplish. So, so more or less, I don't know if I've really answered it, but I mean, that's the basic approach for every person that walks in here. We look at where is their structure? Where is their resting posture? And how do they take that, that resting position and move through space? And can we make it a more efficient means and in so doing, a whole bunch of cool things happen from posture realignment to reduced pain, reduced inflammation, better digestion, better cardiopulmonary responses, better immune system responses, lymphatic, and so on. It's, it's more than just exercise and lifting weights. So that's an interesting concept, you know, because uh, I'm curious to know if you've ever had any people that kind of don't, I mean, they probably don't stay, they might not be your clients anymore, but anybody that doesn't really subscribe to that, because there seems to be sometimes people go to a personal trainer or uh, someone like yourself, they have preconceived notions of what they want in a workout, right? And then if they come to you, maybe, you know, hopefully people are seeking you out for specific reasons, you know, you're well advertised about your skills and expertise. Uh, but sometimes when people come in, they just have preconceived notions about what personal trainers do. They kick my butt, they leave me feeling like crap. And so I can't walk the next day. Um, and it seems to, I don't know about what you think, do you think that mentality is uh, becoming probably reducing or what do you see people having that mentality more so when they come in now, or is it something that has kind of gone down over your years of training? Um, so I'm interested to know what you think about, about that mentality coming into it. Yeah, there needs to be an educational process and a uh, quote unquote buy-in when it comes to the people that are seeking our services in, in those kind of situations. Over the course of years, and, and for that matter, decades, uh, we have established ourselves as uh, more of an educational and uh, almost classroom setting for strength conditioning, where people are coming in without that mindset, but for mm -hmm. those for those people that are coming in and looking to just get uh, completely into a, a heavy breathing heap of sweat and all they want to do afterwards is go and crash on a couch and they view getting their butts kicked and, and throwing up in the bushes as some kind of badge of honor. And that's what the body really needs. There's plenty of other places we can refer to. If that's really, you know, if that's really what you're looking for. However, if you want to improve your performance, if you want to extend your longevity, if you want to feel like when you're done here, you want to go out and go hiking or go cycling or take up running again or look into those things that you've always wanted to do, but for whatever reason you, you haven't. That is the outcome of our training programs. I don't want clients for years and years and years. I want to be able to be a guide to occasionally meet with them potentially over a long-term period to just true their compass up 
to make sure they're pointing in the direction they want to go in. And, and initially, we may have a, a couple of years together, but sometime all birds must leave the nest. And I yeah. don't see, I don't want people living to work out. I want them working out to go and live. If you tune into the Addicted to Fitness podcast on a regular basis, you know we do a training recap on every episode. Shannon and I share what we did for our exercise and fitness during the week. So you hear that we are doing a ton of exercise. Um, and recently, I've been trying to up my game, try to increase the intensity of that exercise. And being 38, going on 39, it's been hard, I'll be honest. But it's gotten a little bit easier over the last month or so because I've been using the, the Perform product from the Amino Company. The Perform product increases peak strength and endurance levels during exercise. It's three times more effective on the gram for gram basis than any other protein source. It improves cognitive function, focus, and concentration. Decreases recovery time by quickly rebuilding muscle tissue, and it happens to be keto-friendly, soy-free, vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. So anybody, depending, regardless, I should say, of your diet requirements, can try this product. Guys, I've honestly been using this product for the last month or so, and I can tell you with uh, the utmost sincerity that my intensity and my ability to progress during my workouts has improved, okay? So head to AminoCo.com, check out their products, and... Bonus for you listeners, you get 30% off by using the code ATF at checkout. Better yet, go to aminoco.com slash ATF, read more about their uh, their scientifically backed benefits. You can see pictures of yours truly, uh, and also read the testimonial that I read, uh, that my honest testimonial about how I feel about these products. So once again, visit aminoco.com slash ATF, and if you want to buy any of the products, use the code ATF at checkout. So right. many, many moments we'll have clients coming in who used to be ballroom dancers or 10K or marathon runners, and they were told they shouldn't do that again by, by somebody that they uh, put their reality in their hands, whether it be a doctor or, or some type of, of coach or whomever, they have been given this reality that you should never do this or that. In fact, yesterday, I just had a woman that was coming in here who hasn't run in since November. She tweaks her knee a little bit, stepping in a pothole, and she, she hasn't run. And that was the one thing that gave her joy. And, and truly, and we just found out what was missing in regards to her movement. We put it back into her system. Her knee pain was gone. She started moving around and felt like, I, I want to go run. I said, well, yeah, you should. Now, don't go out and do a 10K, but I go ahead and go out for a walk. Let's see how the knee feels. And give me a little jogging for 30 seconds and walk and then jog again for 30 seconds and walk and just see how that feels. There's no reason why you shouldn't be back into running. And that's just one of the examples. So, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I, it's it's so funny. You have to deal with, uh, like I said, the preconceived notions about uh, what workout and maybe what fitness overall should be. It should be something that kicks your butt every time. But you know, you try to stress to people and uh, the idea that it's it's this is for life now, and obviously it's going to evolve as you age. What you do is for your fitness, but it's like you, you you're not doing this for 
you know, you don't want to just think about I'm doing this for 30 days, just the hardest workout as possible. And then, and then I'm going to start, you know, cycling down or something. I mean, maybe that might be an approach, but it, it you know, trying to give people the long-term uh, kind of goal setting that should be just like with, I think goals with whatever be in your business life or your professional life, the same side of goal setting for fitness and health is, it, it is, I would think logical, you know, and I beneficial because if you don't think long term, I think that way that could, where can you get in trouble, especially with comes to fitness, because you could lead to injury or something like that. So and like, well, the, I think. Uh, sorry, I, I was just going to say, I think I think our culture, I, I don't want to say is to blame, but encourages the mentality of short term, high intensity uh, workouts to give you the results you want. Uh, but we. Honestly, Nick, since you and I have been in this world of fitness as professionals, there are now more overweight and out of shape people in this country than when we began. So, mm -hmm. so it's not like we're winning this, this war on obesity and, and sedentary lifestyle. It's, it's really kicking our butts, to be honest. And so we find that the, the culture is all about immediate gratification. If I just pound hard, 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 you know, more is always better Then that's going to give me what I need. And I view it like taking a Yugo, you know, those old uh, cars back in the eighties put, put out by Yugoslavia at the time, Czech Republic, uh, Yugos were just these boxy little kind of uh, cars that, that worked all that favored by mechanics and you take out its engine and you put in a formula one race car engine. That's essentially what people are doing when they have gone years and years of being deconditioned and sedentary. And then they go to a little box gym and they're told we're going to do Tabatas with this Olympic bar. We're going to do cleans and jerks. And we're going to have you run around the building and come back in and you're going to compete against yourself or this person. And we're going to call this workout uh, something that's kind of, I won't say derogatory, but we're going to give it female names as if that's somehow not to your speed, but eventually we're going to get up to male names. I, I got to say, I'm, I'm not a fan of that style of program design for some people it's going to work. And it's probably going to be the 16 to 26 or 30 year olds, but eventually the wear and tear on the body is going to bring them around, hopefully to a, a place like yours, a place like mine. And they'll realize that there's, there's more to it than just throwing weights around. Yeah, and it, it might be just like you said, it might be the time of their life, there are certain age groups, you know, hormone levels that are certain level that's, you know, kind of affecting their mentality. Uh, so because I mean, it, and it, it's interesting, because I get to train everybody from, you know, 10 year olds up to 65 year olds. So it's like, it runs the 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 gambit, really the the range, um, and then you see those people in that kind of the the 20s that think that they just can go, you know, balls to the wall, or not all the time. Um, and it, and it's you know you want to try to give them give them what they need, you know, because it, it's weird, it's a hard experience. I know, like someone like yourself, I kind of. I, I definitely envy you and work to be someone with your mentality one day where I can kind of just say, no, slow down. Let's look at your body more. Let's see what your body can give me and, and interpretate that into a type of workout with you need or not just, hey, this is your station. Do it for 30 seconds. Move to this in 20 seconds. Yeah, down, but down the line, it, it's, it's trying to work through that or just meet people where they are. 
but also since they're going to you because you're the expert, you also have to give them stuff they don't really want to, or what they don't think they want. Does that make sense? You know, oh, like yeah. what they need. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And therein lies that kind of the, the approach that giving reasons behind why it is we're doing what we're doing. In fact, I think the one word why is the greatest word in history. Because if you have that in your vocabulary, then that's going to help you navigate down a truer course. If you ask, why is it we're doing this? Is there a valid reason for it? Then I'm going to keep on to it. If there isn't, then then that's kind of a waste of my time and your time. So for my clients, there are positions that I can put them in, have them do movements that are you know crushing, that are so demanding, and they haven't even started picking up a dumbbell or a barbell. There'll be times for those moments where they need external load, but there's also positions that we can get them in where they are not as strong as they should be. And as soon as they experience that, and then you tell them why we're doing this, because we want all the links in the chain to be as strong as the biggest ones, these are the weak links here that we need to reinforce so that you're not going to blow out your back when you go hiking the Pacific Crest Trail or the Appalachian or, or what it is, whatever it is your goal is. And, and they do come in with preconceived notions that in every workout, you're going to be having oh, bicep curls, squats, and bench press. Well, that's, that's not how it's going to be. If we want to throw those in at the end, if we've got a little bit of time and you want to do that, that's fine. But here's the fundamental stuff that you sought me out for. And this is, this is how we need to do this. But there's, like I right. said, there's got to be buy-in. They've got to understand it. So that's, right. that's our role as coaches, as educators, to carry that message across and, and have, them, have them understand Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you say, it's always a great moment when people kind of you, you know buy in essentially. When they're like, you're you're doing the hip mobility drills, or you're doing like pales rails or isometrics, and you know they're not they're not lifting a weight, or they're not even moving, they're holding a position, and but then they realize they come out of it, it's like holy crap, and you're like, yeah, that's like I told you, it's not like it's like we're not making you just do things to just build the 55 minutes that you're here. It's like we're trying to. Like you said, you know, strengthen the entire body, not just, you know, make your biceps look big. You know, aesthetics are great. I think they can be a big motivator and help kind of produce the results that are more beneficial to multiple aspects than just looking good with, you know, you know, stick, you know, less clothes on. But uh, it's uh, it's also, you know, trying to be comprehensive. And that's what we always try to stress for for our people that come into our facility. It sounds like you do the same. Yes. And I find that if we could separate maybe decades or generations from one another, we'll find that program design should change from one to the next. Like you were kind of intimating is that uh, from teenage years to early 30s, that's the mating season. That's when all the feathers are being primped and preened and everyone's out there trying Mm -hmm. to find their significant other to potentially build a family or, or, or a lifestyle that they're choosing. And then 
they they make that. So so the programs are more aesthetically designed, right? And we're we're going to do those bodybuilding routines through our 20s because we do want to look great naked because we want somebody to be attracted toward us. And then we find that attraction, we find that individual or whomever. And now you're established and now you're into your 30s, potentially 40s, careers, potentially mortgage, now children and so on. The program design is going to be different because now it's okay, how do I offset my office hours? I'm not playing basketball in the afternoons with my buddies anymore. Now it's just one day or one day on the weekend, but then the kids have this field trip I got to go to. So now the world of chaos is reigning supreme into a world that you had no experience in. So the program's got to be designed a little bit to cater to that. And then the kids grow up and now they're, they're doing their own sports and whatever you and your significance are now feeling the effects of this chaos and you want to get back into it. So programs in your forties and potentially fifties are going to have to reflect that. And by the time you're into your sixties, now you're thinking, uh, longevity, maybe the grandkids are coming around and, and you can't get to the floor because you haven't been moving around quite so much or, or trekking through this amusement park is going to require miles and miles on your feet. And you really got to build up the endurance. And eventually we get into our seventies, eighties and nineties, and we just want to have some quality of life. So For those that have a program that they haven't changed since they were in their 20s and now they're in their 40s and 50s, you got to go, hmm, maybe it's time we kind of looked at what your goals are and is are these lining up properly? Do we need to tweak these programs to accommodate what it is you're really wanting to do? So I know you're you're you know an author of multiple books, but I know that your return to center book. Uh, I feel like, I mean, when I was looking through some of the synopsis about pain-free, our training without pain, um, it kind of, I'm, assen- I'm assuming a lot of the concepts we were just discussing is kind of the the background from that book or kind of what's the, uh, really, I don't know, but the driving force for the book. Well, you know, uh, like we were talking about earlier, where I came from and all that, in my early years as a personal trainer through the 90s, this was when functional fitness started to emerge. But we had all these circuit machines in the health club because they were very easy to use. They were very low in liability. And the health club owner said, I can pack in people and put them on these machines. They can feel a burn and feel feel themselves you know, getting stronger. But they were getting stronger in ways that they don't use their body. Rarely do we ever need to sit down and lift our legs up and down or force. Like the only time we need to force our heels downward in the seated position is to get out of the lazy boy. And, and uh, rarely does anybody need to sit and do a leg press unless you're, you're some Cirque du Soleil performer and you're laying on your back with some acrobat on top of your feet. Uh, so what I began to see is that clients that were seeing me in the 90s, they were starting to develop all these aches and pains, tendonitis here, bursitis there, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, low back pain, and so on, but that weren't necessarily occurring before we began working out. And then fortunately, I got a mentor who helped me to understand that those type of movements actually were drawing people out of alignment. They were creating imbalances in the body that distorted their resting posture. And there's so many, so many modalities in our world these days, such as chiropractic medicine, massage therapy, acupuncture, yoga, that all have this fundamental foundation. 
And that is the more we bring the body into a balanced central place where there is an, a balance of tension, the joints are in their proper place, then things work better. There's very little inflammation. All the systems of the body work great. Now, the problem is, is that Western strength conditioning, Western fitness doesn't have that as their primary fundamental foundation. It is kind of coming out of what we already spoke of in, in regards to aesthetics. Most gyms are based on bodybuilding, which is all about how the body looks in terms of muscular definition, but not actually how the body functions and movement. Mm -hmm. And we can also look at powerlifting and, and Olympic lifting for that matter. Those are just how much weight can this body lift any way you can. Granted, there's certain correct form that you're trying to achieve, mm -hmm. but still it's this repetitive motion. So then we have repetitive stress and eventually a repetitive stress syndrome is named. And, and unfortunately, our world of fitness is not geared toward bringing people back into alignment. So with my background and the information and educational path that I took with my mentors, I began to realize that we could use the movements and exercises found in a gym to help bring a body back into a more balanced central place. In fact, we could help the chiropractor maintain those adjustments if the person were doing the proper movements for their particular situation. And they could probably advance into their yoga classes if they kind of complemented it with exercises found in the gym that were properly suited for them. So that's where the book came into play. Mm -hmm. Can we return the body to a central place where joint function, organic function is at its optimal best and in, in terms of athletic performance as well? Wow. I know that I was said, a lengthy description. Sorry. No, no, no I, I appreciate that because that that's something like you said, it, it, you got to have the complementary, I think, work. If you do enjoy weightlifting or bodybuilding, I think, I think it is, like I said, it's a, it's a beneficial pursuit, but it's not comprehensive kind of use that word multiple times. And you could develop, like they said, the overuse syndrome of certain joints or tendons or things like that. So it's, it's kind of, I think it's just, it, I wouldn't say elementary that you should have some sort of kind of complementary workout plan to go with your workout plan, you know? So, cause I mean, if you only weren't move in one certain pattern, you know, if it's, you know, just concentric eccentric and you're, you're not being mindful of your range of motion. I mean, it's a, it could be in long-term, I mean, we've seen some bodybuilders kind of the, the more note, you know, notable ones um, where their bodies have gone or what that kind of deteriorated to um, Ronnie Coleman is kind of the one that kind of sticks out to me uh, most, most, you know, just sticks out in my brain, you know, someone who's got to use canes now to walk around just because uh, what he did to his body, you know, so it, it, it's just, it seems very logical. And luckily, somebody like yourself is out there uh, providing information, not only on your podcast, um, but and through books and presentations and, and obviously training, coaching people uh, in person. Do you do any coaching online? Is that something you're getting into? Yes, I do. Actually, I've got clients. Uh, I would. I won't say all over the world, but I've got clients outside the U.S. But primarily, the clients that I see online are in the United States, in the East Coast, uh, up here in the Bay Area, uh, Midwest, and so on. And and it's something that I have been doing prior to COVID, but because the mm -hmm. pandemic 
encouraged us to go online, that just opened the doors a little bit wider and people are understanding that, oh, this is an option that we have. So I do yeah. probably once one or two sessions a week with clients online. But I will tell you this, Nick, is that the, the listening audience that you have, uh, regardless of their demographics, I, I'm just going to throw out a statistic that 50% of them are in pain. And, and mm -hmm. that is something that is just remarkable. So whereas before, when you and I started many years ago, that number was less. There were fewer mm -hmm. people in pain. But now, I mean, we've got We've got smart devices that we can crane our head forward and just huddle down with our thumbs and, and move around to get all the information that was ever gotten in the world at the at the at our fingertips. And and we don't have to move as much. Uh, most people live in luxury wheelchairs we call cars. And it's just the sedentary life has expanded like a hundredfold, and it continues on the more we have technology, and uh, and and. That 50% can also be considered in the realm of fitness professionals. The conferences that I speak at, I often ask for people, for those in the audience that are personal trainers and strength coaches and body workers and the like, raise your hand if you are dealing with some type of chronic or acute pain. And I, I kid you not, 50% of the audience raise their hand. And these mm -hmm. are the professionals that are trying to encourage a pain-free, strong existence. So the, the current way in which the conventional way in which we're designing programs, I think, is creating that environment. And we need to kind of reconsider what the body really needs. And this is not to put the book on some type of uh, you know, platform or pulpit or anything, but I just want to offer an alternative way of, of thinking about what fitness is. And do you want to just load on the muscle so that in 20 or 30 years, you're going to need canes to walk around with because you've trashed your body so much in the pursuit of, of these aesthetic goals? Or do you want like a client of mine who is 90 years old? She just told me last year that she's decided not to run the Boston Marathon anymore. She's only going to stick to 10Ks and 5Ks. And I thought, you know, at 90, okay, that's, that's not a bad idea. Maybe not, right? How would that be? <laughs> yeah, that's my goal, to, to live that existence. Right. Yeah, I agree. Like I frequently tell people, I'm going to three digits. That's my goal is to get to three digits, but try to do yeah. it, you know, still be upright. Well, when I get there, you know, so it's like, uh, that's, and I think a lot of people, hopefully as we get, everybody gets a little bit mature, maybe we can start seeing that as a possible finish line. So, um, that was a, a great way to kind of a segue into one of our uh, go-to questions for all our interviewees. Uh, I don't know if you are going to repeat yourself, but if you had one piece of advice to kind of give our listeners, uh, what would it be? Uh, so there's this book that is totally not related to fitness, and it's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, and the premise behind it was there was this, the author had a surrogate dad and a biological dad. The biological dad worked his tail off, gaining so many credentials, diplomas, and so on. He was reputable in his field, made a tremendous amount of mon money, but gained a tremendous amount of debt in so doing. 
And often his response to try and do something was, we can't afford to do that. Whereas the surrogate dad was a blue collar worker, not well educated, but built up a construction company and into a, a very successful business, did not accrue a lot of debt and began investing in a whole bunch of properties. And when asked if he if, if they could do something, he said, well, how are we going to afford to do that? And it's that mindset that, that I'm trying to get across here. You can, you can look at something in terms of goals and say, uh, I can't do that. Or you could look at it and say, how am I going to get to that point? And, and it's that latter mindset that opens up doors of opportunity. It keeps the idea alive. If you say, I can't, that is a mind killer. That is a goal crusher. And in truth, the word can't is the only four-letter word not allowed in our, our training facility. You can throw out any expletive you want. You can throw out any four-letter word. I don't care. I've heard them all. But the one that is not allowed is can't. So find a way, and whether that requires help, ingenuity, doing something that you may not like doing to achieve the desired goal, you can do it. But the one thing that you're not allowed to, to say is can't. Nice. And great, great piece of overall advice and applies to, you know, every aspect of life. So I definitely appreciate that. Rocky, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad we did this. You know, I'm glad we were able to kind of do our, or finally get uh, you have you on our podcast after being on your podcast. So uh, I want to give you the time right now to kind of promote yourself, all the stuff that you offer. So uh, our listeners can seek you out if they were so inclined. Oh, Nick, thank you. You've been great. Uh, my website is rockysnyder.com. You can find me on social media, such as LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram as well as the, the podcasts. Uh, I actually have two. The one you appeared on is called The Rock Fit Files, which is basically health and fitness. Uh, I get guests like yourself and, and we have great conversations. I hope like we just did. And the other podcast is called Zealous. That's Z-E-L-O-S, the Zealous Podcast. For those that are athletic trainers, fitness professionals, strength coaches and the like, I get to have conversations with colleagues that are in professional sports, such as the NFL and Major League Baseball, the NBA and all the rest. And we sit down and we chat. So the athletic trainers and physical therapists and all that, those are the pros behind the pros. It comes out every Monday and you can catch it anywhere. Podcasts are heard. But you can just uh, shoot me an email, reach out through my website. And I look forward to, to talk and shop with anybody. And I appreciate your time on this podcast. You, you and Shannon do a great job. I love listening and, and I feel honored to be a guest. Thank you. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Rocky. Like I said, I, uh, I'll definitely keep all your con. I'll put all the contact info for yourself in the show notes for this episode. And uh, hopefully we can have you back on and have another conversation. Oh, I'd love that. Any opportunity, it would be great to, to reconnect with you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Sounds good, Rocky. I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Rocky Snyder. Like I said, we actually have uh, a lot of similarities. Um, hopefully you guys kind of heard about it in the interview, but um, obviously Shannon wasn't able to join us on the interview portion, but you guys know that Shannon and Rocky share the uh, great trait of being mass holes. So, oh, so nice. I know. I was excited to hear that. 
one fellow mass hole to another. Right? <laughs> so, hey, notice that we started there and yeah, then we left. Exactly right. And we moved to warmer climates. Exactly right. Like I said, Rocky <laughs> went to West Coast, Sharon went to the tropical, the subtropical part of the United States. So, um, yeah, that was pretty cool and talking with Rocky about that. And obviously kind of our connection, not only being in personal training now, but the fact that it wasn't like kind of our primary education background, not our degree yeah, field. Yeah, didn't start there. Yeah, so it, it, it's kind of cool. our, we are really kind of doing what we're passionate about. So, and hopefully that's everybody's path. It gets to go down there, that road eventually. Yeah. Um, but Really enjoyed talking with Rocky. Really simpatico, and a lot of his um, and his methods of training. You know, we got into it, kind of debating the idea of, you know, people, you know, individuals who come in for personal training, kind of have a certain perception of what personal training should be. You know, sometimes they think a personal trainer should just kick my butt, leave them, leave me feeling like crap, sore as hell the next day. Um, and some people, yeah, some people <laughs> want that, but it, not everybody, if you want but that, and, then go find a drill sergeant. Yeah. And like I said, we, you know, and you know, Rocky and I kind of talked about, about how it might be kind of a, just a, uh, a time, a time frame thing about maybe like different, uh, age group and demographics gear or kind of. Um, I guess gravitate to that more. Yeah. And as you get older, you kind of your training evolves based on your fitness goals and your desires. So, yeah. um, it's interesting his approach and kind of describing how he really people seek him out for his expertise because his expertise is in trying to do pain free, um, or training that kind of results in leaving a pain free lifestyle. Um, mm -hmm. so he trains everybody from, you know, geriatrics to professional athletes. So, yep. Um, I think that's a great approach and I, I really like, hopefully I feel, I don't, not always, I can admit, I don't think I always am able to, uh, to tell people or give people what they need as opposed to what they want. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes, um, I, I, I am influenced since people are paying me for a service, influenced by, you know, their, their, their wants and desires to, you know, oh, I wasn't sore after that last workout. I need to be sore, you know? Yeah. I can explain to people how many times about, you know, well, sore is not necessarily an indicator of a good workout. Right. Um, but, you know, it's I, I got to kind of give them the medicine little bits at a time, I would say. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's also had 30 years to develop his personal brand. Mm -hmm. his, I know you and I have talked about that a lot. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he's... He's uh he's got a really balanced approach, it yeah. seems. And I think that's something that you figure out, you know, what that key differentiator is. That's what establishes somebody for longevity like him, you know. He's he's got books, he's a speaker, he's, you know, a trainer, he's multifaceted, but he's got his sort of approach. And his brand. Mm -hmm. And that is really, really crucial, I think, to making it as long as, I mean, 30 years. That's, it's impressive. It's yep. yep. real impressive. Yep. Aspire to be that. You know, I was just thinking about it the other day. I think officially I'm eight years into it. Oh. Probably, you know, because I incorporated in 2015 and maybe started a few months before that, but pretty much eight years into it. So, um, closing in on nine. So 
we'll get to Rocky's 30 year. Well, you know, and he'll be past 30 once I get to 30. So, um, anywho, um, really enjoyed talking to Rocky. I think we're going to have a good relationship going forward. I expect him to be back on the podcast really soon. Um, so if you guys enjoyed this, please reach out to Rocky. Um, if you want to get some more information about his training, he actually, of course, has a book. Um, it, we talked about it during the episode, Return to Center, um, Strength Training to Realign the Body, Recover from Pain, and Achieve Optimal Performance. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really good, um, uh, well, obviously Rocky described it in the interview, so I really enjoyed it. And I know I'm, I'm looking forward, uh, looking through it right now to not only to uh, possibly uh, use Rocky as a mentor in the future, because I awesome. think he, we, he has a lot of, uh, of I think beliefs in regards to personal training that I, I want to pursue more, kind of learn more about. So hopefully Rocky will be on in the future. Um, you guys can go to RockySnyder.com to check out all of his stuff. He has two podcasts. Like we mentioned earlier, we were on the rock fit files, but he also has the Zelos podcast where he interests, uh, he interviews a lot of high level um, coaches from the sports and fitness world. So I know he's uh, interviewed like, Coaches for NBA teams, NFL teams, the U.S. Olympic team, so so on and so forth. So yeah. really good interviewer, um, really wealth of knowledge. So check out more information about him from RockySnyder.com. Um, you guys can check out more information from us by following us on Instagram at the ATF Podcast. Please uh, support our sponsors. And got anything else for him tonight? Nope. This has been another edition of the Addicted Fitness Podcast, and we'll check you next time. Hi. For all things Addicted Fitness, you can check out our website, addictedtofitnesspodcast.com. You can also give us a follow on Twitter, at the ATF Podcast, and like and follow the Addicted to Fitness Podcast Facebook page. Last but not least, please give us a rating and review in the iTunes Store. Thanks.